What's up, everybody? Welcome to Cantori and you. Today, I want to thank our, our title sponsor, as always, Tori Holistics. What a great crew. Closest licensed, legal, permitted medical marijuana collective to North County. And uh, it's in Sorrento Valley, right off the 5 Freeway. Knowledgeable cannabis consultants on hand with an amazing selection of edibles, flowers, vapes, drinks, concentrates, topicals, products with THC, CBD. The CBDs, as I've mentioned before, huge fan. It's the non-psychoactive part of the plant, which which helps with uh, insomnia, anxiety, PTSD, pain relief. You can learn more about Tori Holistics online at ToriHolistics.com. We also want to thank South Coast Surf Shops. Love this crew. Shop local. Support your local surf shop. They've been around since 1974, so you know they're the real deal. They've got five shops between PB and OB. They've got uh, two all-girls Wahini shops. They've got a closeout shop, which is currently offering 50% off all wetsuits from past seasons. They've got some of the greatest gear on the planet. In fact, coming soon, this is so great, uh, South Coast is going to carry you wear, official you wear. So if you're sketched on doing the online thing and uh, buying your stuff online through the ustore.com, uh, you want to head down to South Coast in PB, OB, and you can grab a hat or a shirt on site. And you can find South Coast online at southcoast.com. Today's show features a, a longtime friend of mine, gentleman by the name of Brian Karsig, Who's, uh, he's from Poway, and he's been in a lot of bands over the years. Some of them you know for sure, like uh, The Killers. He's been in uh, Convoy, Louis XIV, uh, definitely a, a known entity in the local music landscape here in San Diego, but he's played everywhere, almost every country, every venue. I mean, venues that are as small as, say, the Casbah to festivals with hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, when Louis the Fourteenth, his band first broke, they broke around the same time as the Killers, and they were paired on the road together. Louis would open for the Killers, and over the years, Brian has obviously formed uh, some amazing relationships with the band. So much so that they offered him a gig where he fills in as their second guitar player from time to time. He went on on tour with the Killers all last year, and uh, he's. He's a local entrepreneur. He's got a new app that has just been approved in the App Store on iTunes that he's going to talk about here. And we're going to start off, like a lot of episodes of Cantori and You, is uh, just addressing our personal relationship, which will open the floodgate, well, to a great conversation. The other thing that's cool about having Brian Carsig in studio is that uh, I can play his music and not get sued. Been, it's a trip because I haven't uh, I haven't seen you in. When's the When's the last time we saw each other? You look uh, great, by the way. Hey, you look healthy, you. man. I, like I to... yeah, man. You know, just staying alive. I get it. I don't know when we saw each other last. I'm gonna say at least a year. More right? than that, man. I think it was at the Starbucks by your house. Dude, that was like years ago. Okay, oh, that was right. fucking time, years ago. Time flies. Or it time does flies fly when you're having flies. Yeah, it's interesting because I was even thinking about it because you and I talked last night and it's weird because I'm doing this thing now, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, dude, this is like, this could be the moment where you and I reconnect. It could be. And this could be the moment where we rebuild a friendship hey. that over the years has waned. It has waned. But the funny thing is, man, is every time I see you and talk to you, it does. it feels like we pick up right where we left off. I agree. I agree with that. It's weird though for me because you know, you know I'm a sensitive. I'm a big sensitive man. Heck yeah, you're a big teddy bear. But I'm also passive aggressive. Really? <laughs> Are you shocked by that? No, I know you well, man. I okay. know you well, but I understand from every angle. Do you? Yeah, I do. Okay, I'm a homie. I wanted to uh, apologize for a little bit of my passive aggressiveness in the past. When no it words. came, but just when it comes to our friendship, because I do this thing where if I let somebody in, I, I hold them to this lame standard, mm -hmm. which is unfair to that person where I feel like, okay, 
if we're as tight as we've we had established in the past there were certain times in my life where i needed you Mm -hmm. and i was like dude where's where's bk and you were dealing with your own shit but because i'm so lame at times i'm getting past this but this is more of my passive aggressive side where i held you accountable Hmm. like i actually built you know, resentments a little bit towards you because I was struggling. I needed you. You weren't around. And that, I have this weird thing where then I'm like, all right, F that person. I don't care how close we were. I'm going to block them out. They can't, they could no longer have access. I never felt that. I never felt that. It's my own trip. Okay. All right. It's my own trip. And during that, you know, during that moment, I know there were times where I would send you or during that period, passive aggressive esque text messages like, hey, dude, you still alive or hey, man, I'm still alive or hey, remember me? Mm-hmm. And that's shitty stuff to do to somebody. Well, and you always I rolled with it. Personally. I know, well, you always rolled with it really well. Why was that? Because you understood me or you understand that characteristic within yourself? I think it's. You know, I think I know probably as well as anybody that there's ups and downs in life. And um, I knew where you were coming from. I knew what I was going through. I knew that we both had busy lives. I know that we are consummate entrepreneurs and in the business of music and radio, which takes you on a hell of a roller coaster ride career wise. And it's a selfish trip. It's a selfish trip, man. I mean, we're both, we both have egos. We both need to satisfy them. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I think I just never took it personally. I kind of always knew where you were coming from. I That's never rad. really took your passive aggressive tone as really passive aggressive. I took it as, dude, that's Canto and being him. He's my homie and yeah. whatever. I, I appreciated it yeah, though, man. And I never read too much into anything. Well, there man. have been it's people in my past who I also put in that category that did they built up their own resentments Mm -hmm. where you always let me in and i really appreciate that and no and i recognize it even though i felt like i had been for some reason man it was around the time that my wife got sick Mm -hmm. and i was having all that you were there for me when i lost my house Mm -hmm. when my wife got sick was also the around around the same time i believe you lost your dad it was like within the same weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was weeks apart. I remember that was um, that was heavy. I mean, shoot, that was a really were, hard time. You were on my mind. I've been in bands with best friends who I've grown up with since the fifth grade, and we've gotten to points where we weren't getting along as good as we were. We've even broken businesses up because of it. But I think you go through stuff with people that are close to you. And when you hit 40, which we've hit. Everything uh, changes, right? Everything changes, man. I mean, don't sweat the small stuff is cliche, but. So you admit you're over 40 now. I I, do admit. I remember Brian, who was 28 for many years. For many a year. You were were 28, well in your mid-30s. Well, thanks to the internet, I'm not, you can't correct. You look great, though. Hey, thanks, I'm not kidding, man. You You look good. You look healthy. Because there have been times where you were looking either beat down or bloated. And, and both of those apply to my past, without a doubt. But uh, I haven't been. You look great. I haven't been this skinny since high school. My my sixteen-year-old driver's you. license is the same weight that I am today. Take me with you. And uh, I don't. But know even what your happened, face, man. you look vibrant, man. You Thanks, look healthy, man. and it's so nice to see. You know, it's a it's a mindset and a perspective. I'm happy now. You know, there I was, get that. There was a long time there in the last couple of years where I wasn't as happy. I get that. And um, it's it's amazing what your mindset can hold your body prisoner to. <laughs> your attitude, your outlook. How things um, work for you in the universe. How for you. And the, come your way. In the universe, in your own body, in your own thinking. I know. And especially with me, my own creativity, you know. Um, you can wake up one day and have an entire album done, but it might be like Elliot Smith meets death you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. but, and uh you know those sometimes are good things to document not necessarily things i'd ever really want to put out you right. know i like to um you know kind of share and celebrate the person that i'm most happy being and i think that's how most people know me and 
It's funny. It's charismatic. Yeah, you walk and, into uh, a room. You've always positive. been the guy who can walk into a room and light up a room. Light it up. And I understand that guy. I know that guy. That guy is here to stay, Okay, <laughs> I get it. And I feel the same way about mm -hmm. myself. But mm -hmm. you also know when you're known as that guy and you're going through the shit, when you put on the act, it it's exhausting. It is. And you know what? I related really big recently to the last days of Robin Williams. It just tripped me out how such a dude that you know who's so funny, yep. so vibrant, but so and tormented. so on, and you hear from the people who like lived with him in his private life how tormented and dark spots he went from. I can't say that it made me feel good. I feel bad for the guy, and he took it to extremes, obviously, but it feels good to know that not everybody is sunny shiny days you know yeah. we're all human we go through ups we go through downs it's and so true it's how and I we got deal so... with them and process them man and we can either carry them with us or we can leave them like a bag of bricks put them down and let somebody else come pick it up so true man <laughs> and it's just so crazy what i've learned is i've hit 40 and above now i'm you know mid 40s how how exhausting it is carrying that mm -hmm. and carrying that on a daily basis. And once you let it go, how free, just liberating it is. It's much like me leaving the radio station where, and I'm sure you've felt this way when you've left bands, mm -hmm. where you don't realize what an emo. well, you do know while you're going through it, what an emotional toll it's having on you, which obviously has a physical toll as well, but you don't really know it and get it until you're on the other side. It's true. I feel so empowered right now, which is why I believe, you know, uh, just before this all happened and this shift that I'm personally going through, you know, it would have been hard for me to get you down here because my own ego would have been at war with it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, it's so organic. And I'm like, dude, you know, when we talked last night, I got off the phone. I was just so happy to just have such a real, honest, productive conversation with you. It reminded yeah. me a years ago. And I don't remember that, you know, it's just, it's been a while. So I obviously know what you've been doing. The thing I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I don't even, as well as I know you, know the whole story. Mm -hmm. Did you, so you're San Diego native 100%, right? Or Kinda. no? Or I you mean, moved I, out I moved here, here from in 1985. Okay. So 30 years 32 years I've lived here, which I think makes me native. I mean, I was born in Jersey, but out. I was moved out of there when I was two. And I just had this conversation with Robin Roth the other day because mm -hmm. I got all excited and freaked out and started chomping all over her. Yeah. Because, and I don't want to do that to you because I can relate. I moved here in 1985 as well when I was 15 years old. Kismet, dude. And you were how old at that time then? So you were younger. In 85, I was about 10. Okay. Um, and you moved out here from the East Coast. I moved out here from, God, where did I go? Jersey to Ohio, Ohio to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to California. And why all the moving? My old man had job. He worked in the steel industry. He comes from uh, Pittsburgh. His whole family does. He was in steel and sheet metal sales. That's why you're a Steelers fan. I'm a Steelers fan till the day I die. Never knew why. Loved my Chargers. That was like my dad and mine's favorite pastime for 10 years. We had season tickets to the Chargers. And I'd say about every four years, there was always that end of the season or even playoff contention, Steelers versus Chargers yep. game. It was a tough game. Where would you go? <laughs> Where would you guys go? Steelers, right? You know what? I think that we both, in the spirit of being in California, would vote for the Chargers. You know what? There was It was kind of a win-win situation yeah. for us. I mean, I remember that one where I can't remember his name. Dude, I was going to say, when he blocked, when he blocked in the end it, zone. I was on 50-yard line that game. And the Chargers went to the uh, the Super Bowl. And the Chargers went to the Super Bowl. Because of that play. I was excited. I was so excited for the Chargers. But at the same time, I was bummed for the Steelers. Sure. So, I don't know, man. So you, so your dad transferred, obviously, to Southern California for a gig, which is what happened yeah. in my family. Yeah, he transferred out here for a job, and we were here for about a year, and we're about to move to Dallas, Texas again, another move. And that's when my dad and mom got um, tired of moving the kids around, and my dad, entrepreneurial-minded guy, started his own business, and... Uh, here locally. Stayed here in uh, California, up in Poway is where I grew up. 
So where'd you go to school through the system? Uh, elementary school, junior Elementary high? school, I started at Painted Rock, where both my nieces are now. Um, I went to Twin Peaks Middle School and off to Poway High and to San Diego State. You went to state. Heck yeah, I didn't man. realize that. <laughs> yeah, I you was didn't graduate a, though, did you? With two degrees. Shut up. <laughs> Psychology and business, my man. Come on. I know. I know. Who would? I'm more than just a hat rack, dude. Mm-hmm. I was two degrees, writing and political science. Excellent. SDSU, yes. but it was again. We were. You were behind me. Like one. I started at state in '88, graduated in '93. Okay, yes, you're so you're much older. I'm than I'm much then. older than you, <laughs> much older. So, okay, see, I didn't realize this. Now, when you were at Poway High, there's obviously so much history around Poway High and music. When you look at Tom DeLonge, yeah, you look at did Scott Russo go there too? Yeah, I was friends with Scott and on Wade. Wade Unwritten was Law. like one of the first guys I met in the fifth grade. I remember even. The school bully coming to beat me up one day, and uh, Wade jumped in and broke the fight up, and the bully ended up pinning Wade up against the wall and telling him, this isn't your fight, and Wade looked over at me and told me to get out of there, and <laughs> I don't even know if Wade remembers that, but I, I I'll you were the karate kid. You were I from was, New Jersey. You were getting your ass kicked in Southern Cal. But uh, no, Wade. Uh, every time I see him, it's like we uh, never. Never lost a step. Same with Scott. Tom and I both worked at the same uh, um, retirement home together. I was a waiter. He was a busser um, in Rancho Bernardo, and Tom was starting Blink. I was in a band, Dishwater, at the oh time. Oh, my gosh, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, there was just kind of something in the water, I guess, in Poway. I don't yeah, know. right? All of us, uh, there's not much to do except... You know, drink coffee, smoke cigarettes, and go to Denny's yeah. when you're underage. But um, you're in the suburbs. What else are you going to do? Right? Of skate. Us figured out. Play music. Skate. Yeah, I know that Scott was a big skater. Um, Wade's always been a drummer. Jay Hill and Mark Maygard were in a, a band. I was in a band. Um, we all just crossed paths. We all had that in common, at least, regardless of like what our social background was. Whether you're the the punk rocker, the the student, the surfer, the skater, whatever. Um, we always all got along real well, and uh, it was it was cool. It was a cool neighborhood to grow up in. You know, I don't have to now did Jay, to Jason Hill, and Megs, Mark Maygard, Maygard, yep. Your partners in Louis the Fourteenth, partners and in Convoy, Convoy and Louis, yeah. So yeah. that relationship started in high school as well. Yeah, it started in me and Jay met in the fifth grade. Um, he was one of the first guys I met when I moved over. I remember when Mark Maygard came over from Iowa in the, I think it was the sixth or seventh grade. I got introduced to him on the quad and, uh, it was that young that it was just like, you know, Hey, a new guy moved to town and he plays drums. You're right. <laughs> I was like, cool, cool. Let's go meet this guy. And, um, yeah, so Jay, me, and Mark started a band, I guess, our junior or senior year in high school. And and that was Dishwater, or that was... That was... Some variation of Convoy. It was kind of just a big... We were playing bad cover songs. I think we were playing Nirvana songs, bad religion songs, Beth. but also would throw in like a... Black Crows song. <laughs> Huey Lewis. I it's know you the, and I have a common yes, love for Huey I, Lewis. I, you know, I wish I wish we were we, smart enough to, to throw do that Huey then. Lewis in back then. It or Hall cool. of Notes. Yeah. Yes. God, I do Hall of Notes now. But I've never been in a cover band. That was like the closest we came. But we had a set of probably 10 songs that we'd pay, play at, you know, backyard high school parties. And I'd say five of them were subpar originals right and we'd kind of follow those with songs that everybody knew so and that's what you we, did we, though you were there <laughs> for free did. beer and to get laid yeah i mean I that's what so. you did you know yeah you know so, so were they fun. in so was jason and mark in dishwater or that was a separate venture yeah, for you dishwater was me mark jay ryan ramos um, this guy, Tony Roth, rest in peace, just recently lost oh, him. No. Uh, Doug Meyer, again, RIP, lost him. Dang. So a couple, couple mainstays in Convoy um, passed away in the last year. And um, 
hard living or just uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah i'm gonna have to say hard living attributed to that I'm getting sorry. older mixed yeah. with hard living you know Dude. and um so mark jason and i uh prevailed and went on and started convoy um convoy had a good six seven years in us that was fun man <clears throat> and that's so when i was fun. first introduced to you like dishwater was never on my radar i wasn't that cool yeah. or indie but by the time convoy hit you guys were getting embraced by local re- uh, radio mm-hmm. you had caught up and you became a hit that was the hit yeah that was the hit and uh and then how did that become Louie. So Convoy kind of dissolved. Convoy is like where we got into our craft. You know, we went from playing weekend parties and little weekend warrior tours to San Francisco, Sacramento is um, like dishwater. And it was kind of alt country, right? Dishwater was kind of... Or Convoy. Convoy started, um, yeah, I'd say alt country. For lack of a better. We were so into like the Beach Boys... um, Willie Nelson, George Jones type songwriting where good stories were told. Um, but we really appreciated like the production of people like the band and the Beach Boys and harmonies and yeah. things like that. And uh, I mean, D- Convoy took us from being the backyard weekend band to playing six and seven nights a week for Damn. six years. You and know? how old were you at that point? When it first started taking off, were you I'm still going to college? Convoy, was, I graduated college in 97. Okay. Convoy started in 96. I'd say from 96 to 2002, okay. we were always on the road. So Dang. When, and then Louie was what? Early 2000s Well, Convoy, after that. we signed a deal with Sony, uh, Hybrid Records and Sony out of New York. We had that hit, and then it was like 2001, 2002, that big kind of first giant absorption of record labels happened, Mm. and uh, the label that we were on, a part of Sony, got absorbed by another Mm -hmm. label, Sire Records. Yeah, I I remember that. And uh, we kind of got lost in the shuffle, but in a point where we still had a record deal, but they weren't going to do anything with our record deal. Sure. <laughs> so we just... Uh, in that shuffle, that's when you said, now's the time for us now's to... Now's the time for, we can't, you know, we're convoy, we, we've worked six years at this, we got to change the name or start a new sound. And Robbie Dodds, who was, without a doubt, the most integral part of our sound is convoy. He had like the ripping guitar licks and things like that. He left the band, didn't want to start over again, and that left the guitar leads to Jay and I, who mm-hmm. were not nearly as good as guitar players <laughs> as Rob Dots. And it kind of came across more uh, staccato-y, glammy, rock and roll-y. So That's what rolled from, into Louie. It rolled into Louie, and it oh. wasn't fair to even call it Convoy anymore because it would be like um, the Rolling Stones losing Keith Richards and getting Mark Boland to play guitar and right. still calling it the Stones. It yeah. just didn't didn't work. Um, but, you know, and then the, at first that didn't do well. I mean, it, it, it really went around as Convoy now changed their name to Louis the Fourteenth where we alienated a lot of the Convoy fans with such a new sound, but it wasn't Convoy changing their name. It was guys from the band Convoy going and starting something else without the same uh, musicians they had before, you know. And that's what I always admired about you, too, was... And it's interesting because it even relates to where we started talking about ourselves mm-hmm. that I always admired. And maybe this is why you were able to roll with my passive aggressiveness because you started Convoy when I started at 91X, which, which the same year. That makes complete sense when how I got to know you. Yeah. And was there, obviously, when Louie blew up. And uh, being your friend at that time and so close as we were... I remember getting so defensive when people would take shots at you guys mm-hmm. for changing the sound and who are these guys and F them. Those are the convoy guys <laughs> yeah. and they're just trying to be Bowie and all this stuff. Yeah, and I was like, I remember Dude, that. Who, who, you remember, I, <laughs> I still get do. that. <laughs> yeah. And it was so late. Obviously it was rooted in jealousy and that's what I saw because you guys were, were navigating through the industry. And in a lot of times lightning doesn't strike twice. 
for you guys, it did strike twice. Yeah. And it also brought out the haters. Mm-hmm. And as close as I was to you, I remember going, dude, it's freaking Brian. Back, you know, back off. I know. Well, it's hard. I mean, you got to have thick skin, you know, in radio and in music. Yeah. You got to have thick skin Wish pretty much that. doing what you do, you know? I mean, when you do what you love, it's such a struggle internally i think because you're loving what you do but then you put out what you do for judgment you know correct and uh not everyone's gonna like it i i accept that you know but um i like to think of it like religion you know it's like you might be jewish i might have grown up catholic you might be hindu i might be buddhist you know but we might have different beliefs or different opinions on what you believe but at the end of the day if it keeps you on a path of positivity, it keeps you not robbing me and not beating up my friends. Being I don't a care who you believe in. I you agree. Know? <laughs> it's I like, agree, man. If you make death metal music or you're Justin Bieber, I don't have anything against you. We're all but you're an there. entrepreneur, as you said, mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs are known to reinvent. You entrepreneurs reinvent. don't look at the past and get stuck in the past. They move forward. Mm-hmm. Convoy represented the past. Mm-hmm. You wanted to move forward and introduce. See, yeah. for me, to, for me at this juncture to do another morning radio show where I'm playing the same five 21 pilot songs over and over again and <laughs> yeah. talking for two minutes, mm-hmm. that day's done for me. Mm-hmm. But would I ever reinvent myself in radio and do something completely different, like a like a talk show or something like Heck that? Heck yeah. Heck yeah, because it's a challenge and it, it allows you to do what you do and apply it in a different way opposed to doing the same thing over and over again for personalities like myself and your, that's going to drive us frigging insane. Mm -hmm. Insane. And I think that's why a lot of bands do self-destruct on the road because the personalities aren't used to the minutia, the micromanagement and having to do the same thing over and over again. It's true, you know, and I I mean, I couldn't imagine the Stones without them reinventing themselves. Every record. Reinventing themselves every record. The Bowie, if Bowie didn't reinvent himself, we'd have no David Bowie. The princes, anybody I look up to has reinvented themselves. Totally I mean, agree. It's, I mean, I used to wear parachute pants and breakdance in the fifth grade. If I, I get it. stayed true to who that person was, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that person anymore. I think in musical taste, it's You'd the same thing. Rock. You, you, you know, I'm a sponge when it comes to learning you know i love listening to new music i love being inspired creatively and it takes you on different journeys when you are growing up listening to no effects and then all of a sudden somebody plays you a willie nelson song when your grandma dies it's gonna strike a nerve or inspire something within to grow i agree and uh you're just you know absorbing all these different music, all these different life changes, relationships, everything, and um, it's it's impossible to eat the same food your whole life. You know, you eat different things, you become a different person, and ultimately you become a product of what you put in. Eventually, comes out. So, if you restrict yourself and tell yourself, "I'm gonna stay this true hardcore person to the core forever." good for you you know that that might work for you that just doesn't work for me no. I meet a lot of people i meet a lot of friends of different orientation race religions you get a lot of different perspectives from the people you meet from the situations I you're know. in to the places you go and don't the you music find you people to. and culture so fascinating fascinating man it's inspiring and it, it gives you a reason to live you know i agree I mean, I just went to Spain last week and just hung out there for 10 days just because I love Spanish people. I like to work on the language and, uh, you know, the people out there are really cool, too. So when you guys were experiencing this success, knowing each other from the since the fifth grade and your brothers, what is that like going on that ride? There Breaking, was ups and downs. Yeah, because you know. I know and it kind of I can kind of relate on a smaller scale to Woods. Mm-hmm where Woods and I are known in the industry for at times having a volatile relationship. I never knew that. Inside, deep inside, okay. The, like okay. in the halls of a radio station. But the volatility was more based on Woods, me driving him crazy just mm-hmm. for me being me, yeah. him lashing out, and then I would shut down. Mm-hmm. That was the pattern, you know, and he would admit that. But I also know that there was volatility, you know, you you dealt with that in your band dynamic. And I remember that leaking out 
into the public? Was that something you guys were always trying to yeah. keep at bay? I mean, in the same way that it's like if you're in a relationship that goes bad, I try to make an effort to not talk negative about the person that you were in a relationship with because when relationships break up, the last year or however long might have been unhappy. But you can't forget all the good times yep. in the years previous that led up to whatever it was that created things to go bad. What was it in your case? <clears throat> like if not, you don't have to get specific, but I think overall. in our case we were overworked. I think um, it exhausted. was exhausted. We were exhausted. I think that um, there was a lot of demand and, and touring and traveling. I mean, we were playing five, six nights a week, plus doing morning and afternoon show performances. Um, we'd play a show in London, play the show, get on an overnight flight to New York, play a New York show, and go overnight to Japan. Yeah. You know, it was just like travel, travel, travel. I think all of us were kind of dead broke when we started, came into a little bit of money and wanted some time off. Um, I think you probably think that you can pick right back up when um when you take some time off that's not always necessarily the case yeah. and um but i think it's like you know when when you have a pet dog and it gets old and it gets sick and everybody tells you don't worry your dog will let you know when it's time to put it down yeah i think that's the same with relationships and music and certain things it's like not yes. saying that they can't ever be reinvented but, you know, you might lay your dog down and two years later you might get another dog, you know, or, you know, I, sometimes you just need a breath and some space, maybe some time away from each other to really appreciate what we did together that was so good. So what was the longest break that you guys ever went without talking? A year. Okay. It was really hard to not talk to my best friends yeah. for a year, you know, and, uh, that was a big learning curve in getting older, you know, is an ego, you know, yeah. and fame or whatever you call all of it. it. When you're all getting attention, people press pin each other against the other person. Um, Isn't that the truth? Oh, this guy does this. Oh, that guy does that, that way. You know? Did you hear and, what so-and-so did at the last show? Yes. Did you hear what? Yeah, man, I know. I, I mean, it. at that point in my life, thank God, because that's what drugs were for. Right. No, <laughs> kidding, but not I really. get it. No, you're not. And um, I get it. You know, and then I, I think would have needed them. I hate to say that, you know, your, your parents are right. One day you're going to grow up and you're going to realize that you don't know everything as a kid. You don't know everything just because you're in a cool band or whatever making and money. traveling, making money. That was my thing. I knew nothing. My entire trajectory at 91X, I look back and I'm... I'm almost embarrassed by it, just mm -hmm. how little I knew. And had yeah. I had the wisdom that I have today, I could have navigated through that whole experience so much better. Yeah. And there's, you know, for a while you get haunted by, I wish I could go back Woulda, and do shoulda's. some things differently. And of course, I wish in all my relationships I could go back and do That's something human different. human nature. But I think it's only been in the last year or so that... I've realized you just got to forgive yourself, forgive who who's involved and just yep. move on and find the good, man. Life is short, man. I've <sighs> lost so many friends, so Isn't much family scary, in the last man. couple of years that when it's gone, I couldn't imagine if some of my relationships with some of my best friends, even past girlfriends, whatever, if somebody were to leave the earth oh. when we were on a bad place, it would That'd haunt be me hard for to life. deal with. Yeah, it would haunt you for life. You I've know, got so. that with somebody in my life, with someone who I worked in radio with, was this guy, Brian Jones. Do you remember Brian? He was a morning guy way back when, back in the day. No. And when I first started at 91X, I got paired up with him. He used to work with Rusty Nails. It was Russ I remember and Rusty Nails, yeah. And Brian was a very volatile, <laughs> volatile dude. And we had a major falling out that involved him lashing out against me. Mm-hmm. I shut down, and we didn't talk for years. He had a heart attack, died at 49. Oh. And I think about him all the mm -hmm. effing time. Because I did love him, and I did have a relationship with him, and I knew the good in his heart. But, you know, I was a kid at the time. You know, I've mm -hmm. got this this man in his 40s telling me at 26, 
F you, fuck you, you piece of shit. You think you blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's crazy. I'm never talking to him again. Fast forward the tape, the guy dies. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I wish I could have picked up the phone and said, Brian, I'm so sorry you're hurting. I'm here for you, buddy. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, whatever. Whatever Mm -hmm. you're feeling towards me is not how I feel about you. And let's figure this out. Yeah. I mean, it's forgive and forget. You know, it's as simple as that. And, um, you know, you, you, you decide how you want to live your life. Everybody does. Holding grudges is easy. You know, it's a defense mechanism. It's it is. It's usually ego-based. And generally, I can admit that usually being holding a grudge and just not getting past things is usually a result of your own insecurity 100%. or you being angry with yourself in 100%. some reason, you know, so part of the self abuse in my case. Yeah. It's why you got to forgive yourself first and I foremost, agree. you know, get over it. So did you figure this stuff shit. out on your own or I had to go to intense therapy to figure this stuff out? I've, I've done a little bit of everything. I've, yeah. I got a life coach in the last year who with me into shape. I get know? it. I, I need one it. of those. Will you be my life coach? I can be your life coach, man. It's pretty easy. You just got to run a shit ton. I'm <laughs> <Yes>. out. <laughs> I'm out. When you run yourself into exhaustion, you don't have time to think about what makes you upset. You only got time to think about what makes you feel good. You know? Yeah. So. Well, that's what I get out of surfing. It just, it, I get so locked into the present that I don't have time. When you're dropping into a 10 foot wave Ugh. and you're worried about, you know, drowning or sharks or mm-hmm. someone else hitting you with with their board the last thing you're thinking about is man brian didn't call me back yesterday <laughs> exactly or he didn't text exactly. me back so now uh today though your relationship with the former i mean you guys are all good in fact yeah. you get hit up about reunion we were just talking last night uh what's up with the reunion show so you get hit up i knew you got hit up about louis the 14th reunion shows but convoy convoy yeah uh one of our favorite local djs lou niles is uh put it in our ear probably god he's been trying it pretty much every year so lou's gotta be involved but convoy started at the casbah tim mays always mentions it too i think the last convoy reunion was january 2011 for their 25th anniversary i remember that it was so much damn fun. I don't know why we haven't done it, but, you know, convoys spread all over the globe at this point. Um, we'd have to get in a room in San Diego if we're going to do it here. Really? Whatever. Just get everybody together. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, you know, I think everybody's on board. It would be real fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's playing music with your good friends. Yeah. You know, it's revisiting a time that at the time was so damn fun you go on to do other things in life. You forget about how fun that was. You know, I mean, shit. Think if you got in a room with Brian Jones right now, you guys would probably crack a beer and rehash things. And it it. would be like water under the bridge. And why was that even such a big deal? We tell (laughs) stories about how for his 40th birthday, I bought him one of those wood one hitters, you know, the bats, the one hitters for weed. He's a big (laughs) weed guy. And I went out and I went to Michael's, the arts and crafts store and got one of those soldering pens and carved his name in the wood yes. to Brian from Chris on his one hitter. That is great. I would love yes. to talk to him about <laughs> that right now. So I yeah. get it. Now uh, I do want to. I do want to talk about this uh, this app that mm-hmm. you have going on because yeah. At first, I was a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, all right, what's he involved in now? Because you have a little bit... We both have the same thing, where we have all this stuff going on, mm-hmm. and you know, some stuff doesn't hit, you move to the next thing. Yeah, You've had apps in the past. I thought they were cool, but in all honesty, I wasn't necessarily feeling that they were going to hit. I was like, hey, yeah, it's cool. it's tough. <laughs> but something you said to me on the phone last night was my initial thought, where you had developed an app for musicians. And my thought was, that's the wrong target audience. Musicians are broken lazy. <laughs> Musicians are broken lazy. <laughs> Most yes. of the time. I'm generalizing. Yeah. And that's why I was like, eh, I don't know. But this experience you showed me last night, I swear to you, man, I'm like... I want in. It could be good. Yeah, it started. I mean, I'm one of those guys that, uh, I mean, remember when Napster happened and everybody put up a fight of, oh my God, no, stop. Let's just do, let's get it back to the, when things change, you, you got two things to do. You can either resist and fight it and spend your energy being angry and getting walked over or at the end of the day, 
<clears throat> I saw it from the get-go that when music became digital, there was no stopping it. Uh, my great friend and agent over at William Morris, Kirk, said to me, I remember in like 2010, he was all, mark my words, in three years, the CD will be gone. Yep. And I thought he was crazy, but he was right. <laughs> you know? And uh so even when you walked in here, the first thing Brian did was look, I have these old dusty plaques from the 91 X days mm -hmm. with the chili peppers and blink and over 3 million copies sold. And the first thing you're like, dude, I can't, there was a time people sold records. And yeah, CDs. <laughs> I know, Nuts. I know, but it's a, it's a digital world now and you got to embrace it. I've always rooted for the underdog because I've always been the underdog. You I know? get that. I've always been the guy that wears eyeliner and plays songs that he's, he's ripping off Bowie in a time when it was, yeah, what's that band called? It was just like Candlebox Live. No, that's not even Candlebox. That was... I don't lie. I don't know. Freaking collective soul, I believe. Who knows? Whatever. But anyway, with no disrespect to them, it was just a fun song at the time. Weird time in music and grungy. I don't think Louis the Fourteenth is the greatest band to walk the planet. I, I, we set out to always be our own favorite band, so they were my favorite band at the time. But it was so different. I think it was the timing of being different from what everything else was on the radio at the time. Um, breaking in England, if it was everybody in America thought we were English, which helped America like yep. us better. Even which was what the killers did. The which killers, is what the broke killers did that. In England. Yeah. A lot of bands did that. So, um, we just kind of took the plunge. Uh, it was, um, Josh homie and his wife at the time, uh, Brody doll ran into one of our roadies when we were playing in front of about 16 people a night up in San Francisco, we'd send up a uh, buddy of ours, Dom, who would, we'd fly him up, you know, a week or two early to hang up flyers. Oh, I remember Dom. And he went to make copies at FedEx one night, tour bus rolls up, <clears throat> a big dude walks out with Brody Dahl. They had to make an emergency fax, I guess. Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. Josh from Queens of the Stone Age's wife, and he was on tour opening as Eagles of Death Metal. Oh, so that's right. They um, Apparently, Dom was starstruck, and he went and gave Brody the first Louis Fourteenth CD that we made on our own and uh, said, this is the band I'm working with. I'm a huge fan. Check it out. She kind of grabbed it and... The manager came over and said, yeah, if you want to come to the show tomorrow night at the Great American Music Hall, we'll put you on the guest list. So Dom calls us and we're like, okay, he's like, can I stay in San Francisco one more day? Brody invited me to the show. I'm like, we're like, okay, dude, we're not paying for you to get in another hotel room. We don't <laughs> have right. the money. If you got a friend's house, you could stay at, stay, but she's not going to put you on the guest list. He shows up the next day, checks in. And they go, hang on, someone's going to come get you. And it was their manager, this guy, Curly Jobson, who ended up being Louie's manager for years. No way. And, I didn't know uh, this story. He took a Dom downstairs. Brody was downstairs. And she said, the CD you gave me last night, I couldn't get to sleep. I had nothing to listen to. I put this on. This CD changed my life. I Shut need to up. meet this band. So her and Josh won like rock and roll couple of the year at the NME awards. Curly, their manager flew me and Jay out to England. We oh, were like, I do remember their this. dates at the NME awards. They, um, then you party with Josh and Brody and like, you yeah, guys all hung for out. Days, right? yeah. yeah. And it was a real good time. And, um, the next day they had like a one hour slot on the BBC to play whatever music they want. And they decided to just play the whole Louis the 14th no. record. From there, this guy Zane Lowe picked up one of the tunes yeah, and uh, started that. playing it, and the rest is history. So and, to this day, I don't. Chris keep Cantori that much. played it on ninety one X in the morning. Cantori did your first it. interview yes. in the states? Hell I remember, yeah. that's, that's really what set you guys up. <clears throat> it is, <laughs> but I haven't seen or talked to Brody and Josh in a really long time. I'm forever grateful for the role they played and to getting us noticed, but. And did their manager or that curly guy manage you for a while? Long or then, time, up and until then uh, 2003 to 2008. Oh, that's a good amount yeah, of time. five-year run. And, okay. Uh, we're still friends. I, we still keep in touch on social media. Dope. Um, he's out doing Brian Ferry right now, and uh, we almost crossed paths when I was out on tour this year. 
Um, with the Killers. With the Killers, yeah. And, you were um, playing, what, second guitar with the Killers, technically? Is that what it's called? Yeah, like, yeah. I was like the hired gun role. I was uh, in the, yeah, it was like Dave Kooning is the main guitar player, and I was right behind him, and rocking out man it was a good gig so getting back to the app you've integrated and you've taken music which you're i think it's fascinating because it's, you explained it to me mm-hmm. i was confused mm-hmm. i'm going to try to explain it to you yeah and see if our uh, our, our listeners here will, will understand it okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna see if i can explain it it's instagram mm-hmm where you load up your own videos, not photos, just videos, or you can do photos too. You do either, yeah. Okay. Or a GIF. Anyway. So you've got access to your, you, you download this app called? Black Box, B-L-K-B-O-X. Okay, and I'll have links on our page. Yeah. So you download the app, you sign up, you get your own profile like on Insta, mm-hmm. you give the app access to your photos and videos, mm-hmm. you take your photos and videos, that you're giving the app access to, you put it into the app, kind of like Instagram, Mm -hmm. and instead of just writing a title and hit and send, before you write your title, you can can search the Apple Music Library Mm -hmm. and put music to your video or photo. So basically, you're providing a soundtrack to your life. You're creating a soundtrack to your life, yeah, essentially. And... um yeah, it's cool, you know. I mean, on Instagram, if you're running down the beach, you're going to hear wind, sand, and heavy breathing. On Black Box, if you're running down the beach, you can put in the theme to Rocky. Or Chariots of or Fire. Chari- oh, that would be huge. So we wanted really a way, my partner Nick Venti and I, really just wanted a way. At the time, he was starting Nikki Venus. I was starting Nervous Records. It's a digital world where no one gets record labels anymore. How do you get discovered? We really just wanted to make a platform for artists who aren't Taylor Swift and Radiohead, you know, like people who are starting from the ground up. How do we get into the same company as the Radioheads and the Taylor Swifts? Well, you make an app where we just didn't think that making an app where, ooh, I want to put this moment of me running down the beach to Coldplay. There's no Coldplay, but check out this band, The Roaches, who sound a lot like Coldplay. You're going to lose people in a minute. Truth. So we had to get clever and figure out how do we get all the top known artists into the same spot as these little artists. And and not pay mm -hmm. royalty rates at the same time. Well, that we're still working at. (laughs) (laughs) But But I think you have figured out an amazing, based on my experiences with your app, I, I think it's a slam dunk, but what do I yeah, know? It's fun. You know, I think in, uh, that's you're not kind stealing of the, from artists. Let's put it that way. No, if anything, we're making a, a new revenue stream and a new promotion tool, tool. for artists you know, of all levels. You know, uh, people should get paid for their work, you know, and uh, there's so many of those unlicensed videos going around on loads of social media right now where anybody's song can be on anyone's moment. I mean, most of the time yep. they get flagged and pulled down, but when they don't, why isn't that person who got a million plays getting any royalty income, whether it be transfer or Louis the 14th right. or Beyonce, right. you know, I agree. Um, it's everybody should get a piece, a piece. So we wanted to create a platform that whether you're a San Diego local band whether you're an internationally touring indie band or whether you're a multi-platinum selling superstar. You can access that music. Everybody can be accessed and everybody's going to be paid fairly. See, and that's so interesting, man, because how many times do we, as you said, try to pair life moments with music and mm-hmm. you just can't do it. You, you mentioned when we talked on the phone, you ran your own experiment. You put your own music behind your own video <laughs> and you and got, got flagged. Down and it got pulled down. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's so my we, shit. Well, we invented a technology that makes the process legal. And um, it's amazing. I think that's what's going to be valuable, hopefully. But also, it's, it's beyond value. You know, um, I think everything I've done in my life, I've never really been motivated out of the gate by this fairy tale win the lottery kind of Me story. Me too. I'm the same way. I don't think I started Louis the Fourteenth to 
have the success that Louie had. I think we did it because we were passionate about it and we loved it and That's things this. went well. Yep. I think the same thing with anything we do. There's kind of an underlying mission of passion in there, like something I really believe should be done, really believe in doing, really represents who I am and I want to get it out. Um, it's It starts there. Where it goes, we don't know. But at the end of the day... Hopefully, just like in music, whether music and app is so similar, you yep. kind of have to make your own thing and put it out there to be judged and see what sticks. You're used and, to that. Uh, I'm used to that. And uh, But at the end of the day, I made music because it made me feel good. If I can put it out there and it makes people feel the same way I feel making it, I've done something good. You and, can create a piece of technology that you feel good about and is good for artists and good for something where your background's in put it out there maybe somebody can feel good i agree know? it made me feel good last it night when i was good, when it? i was using it and it's a great so, post by the way thank you it's excellent and, it, and it's so funny because um man everything you're saying and it, it's why it makes perfect sense going back to where we started why we're reconnecting right mm-hmm. now because your philosophies are exactly the same philosophies that I have, mm-hmm. especially as they relate to your your black box mm-hmm. is my you, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just going for it, and it feels Gotta good. Go it. And the whole motto of the site is content that stokes you out. We're just here to stoke you out and provide you with good content. Whatever, yeah. whatever comes out of that. It's gravy, man. I mean, man. and you got to do it. You're saying this is your new passion. You feel good about it. I, I'm getting off flight here right after this interview to fly to San Francisco for the week. That plane could go down. I mean, God forbid. You could get killed in the Uber on the way there. You never know. Life is so short, so fragile, that if you sit around watching cable, smoking dope, it's fun. I do it every Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, no I like to do things that I hope can either, if not make a difference to the world, make a difference to the person that I am and the person that you're becoming on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. You know, you get older, you get wiser. It makes you a better person, hopefully. And as you get older and have kids or do whatever, you just want to be able to pass down positive vibes instead of negative stuff i guess (laughs) isn't that why we're here and you want people to remember you in a positive light in a positive light that would be the best that would be the best answer good chat man good chat